Today's story involves five child heroes. Their heroic acts saved their mother from being murdered. These five children, all under the age of 14, protected their mother who had been shot by their very own father, the man who was supposed to love and take care of them. I don't cry very often when researching cases, but this one definitely put a tear in my eyes. Unfortunately, domestic violence is all too common, and we don't hear the true nature of the violence perpetrated inside someone's home until there's a survivor in a story like this one. Even more rare is hearing about the violence from children who are often the silent witnesses. Four of these five children were rewarded with medals of bravery after the residents of Australia heard about their courageous acts. This is a survivor story of Rachel Moore. Welcome to Twisted Travel and True Crime. I'm your host, Sandy. To my regular listeners, I'm sure you've noticed I'm a couple days late releasing this episode. We sailed out of the Bahamas to the Dominican Republic, which took a couple days. And since arriving, it's taken a couple days to acquire internet access. But excuses aside, I'm back, and I hope you enjoy the episode. To new listeners, thanks so much for giving it a try. Today's case takes us to Australia. Australia is comprised of the mainland, which is the Australian continent, the island of Tasmania, and several smaller islands. In Australia, there are three times as many sheep as people. It's also home to the Tasmanian devil, which has the strongest bite per body size of any animal. We used to call my sister the Tasmanian devil. She was born in Australia, so the name seemed fitting, especially when she lost her temper. Another interesting fact is that there are more camels in Australia than there are in Egypt. Also, if you love beaches, Australia is the place to go, because if you visited a new beach every day, it would take you over 27 years to see them all. Brisbane, where this case begins, also hosts the world championships of cockroach racing. I have to admit, I'm intrigued, and it would be pretty fun to watch cockroaches race, as long as I had a cold drink in my hand. In my quest for interesting facts, I also found out that an Australian man once tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. Not only that, but I also read that there were instances of wallabies getting high after breaking into and eating opium crops. They would then run around and make what looked like crop circles, similar to the 2002 sci-fi thriller movie Signs. Apparently, it confused a lot of people at the time. Just like any other country, Australia has its darker side. There are many famous murder cases, some of which I'll cover in the future. But today, the focus is on domestic violence. In Australia, 16% of women and 6% of men have experienced physical violence from someone in their family. In the U.S., reports run as high as 25% of women and about 11% of men who are victims of domestic violence. Even in times where children are not directly targeted by violence, the emotional or psychological trauma is inevitable. They feel it. Children who live with domestic violence suffer emotional and psychological trauma from the impact of living in a household that is dominated by tension and fear. These are a huge burden for anyone to carry, let alone someone whose resources are very limited by their young age and dependency on their parents or caregivers. Often, 
the children are just as fearful or more so than the one being attacked. All of these reasons are what make the actions of the children in this story, the ones who saved their mother's life, all the more remarkable. Rachel Moore and her five children are preparing for baths and bedtime in their chamber's flat home, which is just south of Brisbane. On April 11, 2014, they heard the screeching sound of a car pulling into their driveway quickly. Rachel knew right away that it was her husband. They had separated three years earlier, and things had seemed to be improving between her and her soon-to-be ex-husband. However, on that particular day, Rachel had received several threatening texts, and she knew that her husband had been drinking heavily. In the past, this had always been an indicator that something bad could happen. When they heard the sound of the car pulling in the driveway, she ushered her five children into a bedroom. She closed the door behind her and went to investigate. The children waited in silence as they listened to him stomp his way while shouting through the house. It wasn't long before Rachel came face to face with her husband, Daryl Fields. Daryl was armed and was carrying a shotgun. As soon as she saw him, she ran and hid with her children, locking the door behind her. It didn't take him long to break the door down, and she knew right away, as soon as she saw his face, that she was going to be shot. She said, I knew I was going to be shot, I can tell. So I just told the children to get away from me. They moved, and I moved as far away from them as I could, and thankfully the big boys kept the little ones away. At the time, her oldest son, Jaden, was 14. The second in line was Cameron, who was 12. Her daughter, Kaylee, was 9. Then came Zane, who was 4, and Samantha, who was only 2. Daryl was yelling, almost incoherently. In Rachel's own words, she said, quote, I remember when the bullet got shot, it was in slow motion. I remember powder in the air. I remember watching this bullet come towards me. I was ready. I was just thinking, I've got to take it. I can't move. And then halfway, I saw Jaden hanging off the bed, and we just made eye contact, and it was like a whole conversation was had there. End quote. When the bullet hits Rachel, it shatters her shoulder. A shotgun does a lot of damage, and blood was flowing everywhere. This was when her 12-year-old son, Cameron, sprang into action. Daryl was trying to reload the gun when Cameron elbowed him in the face, then grabbed the gun and ran away with the weapon. He hit it outside, but things didn't end there. Instead, Daryl continued to try to assault Rachel. He grabbed at her ankle, trying to pull him towards her. He then climbed on top of her in an attempt to choke her and to gouge out her eyes. He said to her, Why don't you just die? By this time, all five children were back in the room, and they were trying to hold their father back. Jaden and Cameron are wrestling with their father, trying to get his hands off their mom's neck. At the same time, four-year-old Zane had quietly taken his baby sister, who was only two, and hidden her under a bed to keep her safe. Somehow Jaden and Cameron got the upper hand on their father. Jaden was holding him in a chokehold. Kaylee, who was only nine, used strength she never knew she had and moved her mother out of the back door, hiding her outside. 
She then began to administer first aid to her mom's very severe injuries. She wrapped them in gauze. At this time, Rachel said she thought she was going to die. Rachel's like any other mother who wants to ensure that both she and her children are safe from violence, particularly the type of violence that becomes homicidal. Prior to this day, she did everything that she could. She went to the police and the court to seek an intervention order against him. Unfortunately, that wasn't enough. Not only that, but once a woman finally decides to leave, usually in the small window of time after she leaves, that's when the abuser is most likely to kill the victim or victims of their abuse. Of course that doesn't always happen, but it's common enough to play it safe and surround the abused with security. Were it not for the actions of her children that night, Rachel would have become yet another statistic, an intimate partner homicide. Yet another woman killed by a man exacting revenge because her having power enough to leave him is something that he just couldn't let her get away with. A four-year-old shouldn't have to hide his two-year-old sister under the bed to keep her safe from their own father. I watched a 60 Minutes Australia episode on this case, and the best part of the story is hearing the children speak in their own words about what happened that night. Jaden, the eldest son, said about his actions, quote, You just don't think about it. You just do it. And then Kaylee, in her little girl voice, says, quote, My mom said to Cameron, Get an ambulance or I'm going to die. Which Cameron goes on with, quote, When mom was in the hospital, it was all okay and great and fine. But really, it wasn't. She was fighting for her life. She died. And then his little sister cuts back in to say, five times. And Cameron continues, yeah, five times they brought her back. Rachel's in the hospital bed, being interviewed by 60 Minutes. And they ask her, you're, you're so proud of them, aren't you? She responds with tears in her eyes and says, amazingly. Kalia is recounting the story, and she says she's yelling at her father in her own words saying, don't do it, daddy. And he said, you don't have a daddy anymore. While recounting her aspect of the story, she's seated on the couch with her brothers flanking her. Her brother Cameron goes on to say, he was choking my mom, so I hit him, and then my brother took over. The interviewer then asks, where did you find the physical strength to do that? Speaking to Jaden again, he smiles a little bit, shyly, and responds, I don't know. Rachel said she knew right away that her husband was going to kill her and that she was going to be shot. She said, again, I knew I had to take the bullet. She knew it had to be her because she didn't want him going anywhere near the children. She then recounts the relationship early on. She said they fell in love and it was wonderful for the first seven years. They were happy. He would listen to things that upset her and would talk her through rough spots. She said he was an absolutely lovely person, and no one would tell you any different. But three years before the shooting, he viciously attacked her for the first time. Rachel, who had been in a previous relationship that was violent, immediately threw him out. She told the kids that she promised them it would never happen again. And over the next two to three years, their relationship seemed to be friendly. Rachel was raising her family on her own until one night, 
something snapped in Darrell's mind. Rachel said they had driven home that day, and she had just gotten home, turned the TV on for the kids, and was preparing to run baths for them. That's when she heard the car pull into the driveway. She said she knew it was him because of how he pulled in. She blamed alcohol for the reason he attacked her that night. She felt she knew what was coming, or at least what she thought would happen, but she never would have guessed the extent of the attack. She knew that it would have been worse than the last time, but didn't believe for a minute that it would turn deadly. She said, quote, She knew it would be bad because they always get worse, but she didn't expect him to have a gun. He reportedly glared at her and seemed possessed. His eyes were black. The children watched on, huddled together. Jaden said, quote, He stood still at the door for a little bit with a gun in his hand, and we were all screaming and stuff, and telling him not to shoot and stuff like that, but he did anyway. He didn't hesitate. He just pulled it up and shot, and Mom just fell backwards. Rachel recalls falling but and not being able to push herself back up because she was slipping in the blood from her arm. She felt like she had been punched rather than what someone might think they would feel from being shot, and she couldn't understand at first why one side of her body didn't seem to be working properly. Cameron began speaking, and he says, quote, I actually thought that's it. I thought it might be the end for the whole family. My brothers and sisters as well. Maybe. He said then that his body decided he would just do what he can to stop this, no matter what he had to do. Cameron, 12, was the first one to make a move against his father. As the fight progressed, Jaden, 14, jumped on top of his father, punching him, biting him, and eventually choking him into submission after Cameron punched him in the head. And Daryl had fallen backwards on top of Jaden. Rachel had passed out shortly after being shot and didn't witness the heroics of her children. The next thing she remembered was her daughter, Kaylee, nine, pulling her outside and hiding her. Somehow this little girl knew she had to stop her mother's bleeding and so bandaged her arm as best she could. Kaylee says about this, quote, I took her far distance from him, so if he went back for her, the boys could stop him. She said about her mom's injuries that they were, quote, quite disgusting and scary. I thought that she would die before the ambulance would get here because they took a long time. She said, I rang the cops, and then she was gently interrupted by her brothers, who corrected her, saying, the police. Then she continued on, saying, the police, and my mom's been shot. The woman on the line replied, darling, what's wrong? And I said, she's been shot, and then I gave the phone to Jaden. Cameron kept running up and down the driveway, looking for police or for anyone who could help. When the police finally arrived, Cameron told them that it was safe for them to go up because he had hidden the gun. He also said that it was hard for him to stay and answer their questions, knowing that his mother needed help quickly. He said, and I quote, Well, all I wanted to do was run back up there, and just like, it was hard for me to sit there knowing someone is in trouble up there. I just thought they'd interview me, and then I'd be able to run back up there, but that was the last time I got to see her, for a couple weeks. 
It was at this point in the story that I couldn't keep tears from falling down my face. Rachel says that she doesn't know that she would have done the same things that her children had done to help her. When asked why, she thinks they did what they did. Her response was simply, love, their love for me. She goes on to thank God for her children and to thank them for saving her life. Rachel had lost two-thirds of her blood and had almost lost her arm. She worried about how she would be able to manage her life and her children with only one arm, but she kept fighting and she believed she's going to be able to heal better than what the doctors had predicted for her. You might be asking yourself, how did these kids know what to do to help their mother? They attribute their actions to one man. This man's name is Wade Boys. He is a martial arts instructor and actor. He is also a hero in the kids' eyes. Just two weeks before the attack, Jaden, Cameron, and Kaylee had been learning self-defense as part of their training as young actors. Mr. Boys was a skilled combat trainer and taught competitive fighting and weapons handling. He had been teaching the three how to disarm a potential threat, as well as maneuvers to render their attacker unconscious. He told them at the time that the skills were to be used when the children had to act in a fight scene or audition for an action movie. He said, never in a million years did I ever think they would have to use their skills in real life, and it was only ever meant to improve their acting if they came across a scene that would require it. He went on to say, I'm still amazed to this day, not only how well they picked up their skills, but that they remembered them and used them in real life situations. Mr. Boys was the last person to see the children on the night of the attack, and he was the first one to find out what happened when Rachel was rushed to the hospital. He had been friends of the family for years and had been working with the children to improve their acting for about a year before the attack occurred. When he turned up at the hospital, Rachel was still in surgery, but the kids came running up to him to tell him what they had done. They were so proud, and they were talking a million miles an hour, and they talked him through every detail, from disarming Daryl to Kaylee stopping her mother from bleeding. Mr. Boys was just blown away, saying it was unbelievable what they did. He said, you can learn the skills and training, but it's completely different when you have to use them in real life. That takes some serious courage and bravery, which these kids have by the bucket load. The boys agreed that martial arts is a life skill that every person should learn. They said it's not only useful in situations like these, but it also gives children confidence in their abilities to interact and to have patience. Since the attack, all of the family members continued martial arts training, and it has remained an integral part of their lives. Mr. Boyce says that he loves the children, and they're very talented, and they have an incredible future ahead of them. After the attack, Daryl Fields pleaded guilty to several charges, including attempted murder and breach of a domestic violence order. He was sentenced to 12 years in jail. In the years following the incident, the family became homeless and lived out of their car. They suffered from depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Rachel had over 35 operations on her arm in less than three years. In 2017, she said, They think the blood supply to the bone might have died, which means that some big operations to either take 
a part of my leg to save that bone, which would shorten my leg by an inch or an arm amputation. She says, I refuse that. I've got this far. It's only been three years and I've been fighting for a long time and it takes a lot out of you, but I don't want to give up on it. I need my arm. I know a lot of people say it's just an arm. Chop it off. But put yourselves in the shoes, having five children. I'm not giving up now. I refuse. I don't give up. And my family doesn't give up. The children absolutely deserve their respective awards. Jaden, the oldest, said he wanted to use his Star of Courage award to help other children who have experienced domestic violence. He believes domestic violence is such a big issue lately, especially the last couple of years. It's getting out of hand. There are not enough foundations or support. In his words, quote, it's not viewed by the higher-ups as a big issue. He goes on to say, me and my little brother Cameron, we're closer now, and we've got each other's backs. I've always followed Cameron. He's like my younger brother role model. Cameron wants to use his award to further messages that he can send along with his acting career. He said the award pushed him a lot. It further motivated him to go further with his acting and really put in the extra effort that it needs. Rachel's daughter Kaylee said she looks forward to receiving her award because it makes her mom happy. She said it will make mom really proud and happy to have it in her house. Her mom says about these rewards that she thinks later on It'll be something that the kids will be very proud of. The children don't think that right now, but their great country of Australia does. And I personally think they're pretty great too. Domestic violence is on the rise, especially in 2020. According to a New York Times article, data suggests that domestic abuse is acting like an opportunistic infection and the conditions that create that infection have been created perfectly because of the pandemic. It's allowing abuse to flourish. Domestic violence goes up whenever family spends time together. It used to be Christmas and summer vacations, but now with families in lockdown worldwide, they believe a crisis is occurring. Hotlines are lighting up with abuse reports, and that leaves the government trying to address another crisis, that experts have seen coming for quite some time. The United Nations has called for urgent action to combat the worldwide surge of domestic violence. Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez wrote on Twitter, I urge all governments to put women's safety first as they respond to the pandemic. In China, a woman named Lily found herself tangled in more and more arguments with her husband. On March 1st, while she was holding her 11-month-old daughter, her husband began to beat her with a high chair. She says eventually one of her legs lost feeling, and she fell to the ground, holding the baby in her arms. She took a photo after the accident, and it shows the high chair laying on the floor in pieces. Two of its metal legs had snapped off with the force of which her husband had used it on her. The injuries on her legs showed them completely covered in bruises. She said that her husband had abused her their entire six years, but due to the pandemic, things had gotten much worse. In Spain, an emergency number for domestic violence has received 18% more calls in the first two weeks of lockdown than in the same two weeks a month earlier. 
the French police report a nationwide spike of about 30% in domestic violence. Again, these risks are increasing because of confinement. In Britain, the government posted a list of hotlines and apps to give advice and support, and only a week into lockdown in Avon and Somerset, domestic abuse reports were already up by 20%. An expert named Judith Herman found that coercive methods domestic abusers use to control their partners and children have an uncanny resemblance to kidnappers who use control over hostages. Some of the common signs of being in an abusive relationship include isolation from family and friends and employment, constant surveillance, strict detailed rules for behavior restrictions, and basic necessities like food and clothes and use of sanitary facilities. If any of these things, or worse, are happening to you, or someone you know, please get help. I have attached a link in the episode description to a page on Wikipedia that shares phone numbers for many countries' domestic violence resource centers. Please call, please get help, and get out if you feel like your life may become or is currently endangered. That wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please give it a good rating, review, or a nice comment anywhere you talk about podcasts. If you want to throw some money at the podcast, you're more than welcome to do so. There's a link at the very bottom of the episode description where you can do that if you like. Thanks, and as always, I'm wishing you fair winds and following seas. Thank you.